0: Welcome back to the Devin Kershaw Show. I'm Nat hers from FasterSkier.com. We are excited to bring you a special bonus episode with one of the very best cross-country skiers in the world, Rosie Brennan of the United States of America. She uh, took a few minutes out of her busy winter schedule to talk to us from Ostersund, Sweden where she's getting ready for a third weekend of World Cup racing. Devin and I will be back to you after this weekend of racing he had to miss out on today's taping due to some extra special times uh at the hospital where he is working in training as a med student so you're stuck with me we'll be back
1: in a second come and experience the largest biathlon event ever held in canmore alberta at the bmw ibu world cup march 11th the 17th races are free to attend with VIP packages also available for purchase. As the final World Cup of the season, 10 World Cup Globes will be awarded in Canmore, Alberta. The action is fast, with plenty of community events scheduled at the newly renovated Canmore Nordic Centre. For a complete schedule and tickets, please visit canmorebiathlon.ca and use promo code, oh my gosh, Kershaw, for 10% off all VIP ticket packages. That's... Kershaw, that's my last name for 10% off all VIP tickets. Get your butts to Camorbathlon How uh how are you feeling about how the season's gone?
2: Uh great. Yeah, I uh yeah, can't complain. It's been uh a, a good start so far, and I feel um just kind of good about where I'm at in like in a more general sense. So um, you know, aside from the results, I feel like I'm in a place that's uh you know healthy sustainable good (laughs) all those kinds of things so uh so yeah I'm feeling uh good about where everything is
0: um I think you and I in the past like have talked a little bit like I maybe made a I maybe implied that I assumed that like your classic skiing was not as good as your skate skiing and you you kind of corrected me a little bit and and were like you know actually I'm pretty good at classic skiing or that's <laughs> been a thing that I'm I'm good at. but but you know I mean I think you, the result that you had in the season opening weekend in, in Ruka was like tell me if I'm wrong that was your best classic result ever yes. And, yes. and I'm I'm curious like can you talk a little bit about, um and I think you made a post about sort of like improving your classic tech, like reference improving your classic technique. And uh-huh. I'm just curious if you can talk about that a little bit. Like, what does that look like for you over the past sort of few years or however long it's been that you've been like working on that? And like, what do you think, it, what do you think helped get you to that kind of breakthrough?
2: Yeah. So this is the question that everyone's been asking me. And um I will say like, um, I'm not a very technique oriented person, at least in the sense of like, oh, I, you know, like I'm going to go work on this and that's going to fix everything. Like I'm very much kind of a feel person. And so I think uh, it's effective, but it takes longer maybe um, because yeah, it just takes time to like, kind of learn the feel you're looking for. But I also think classic, I mean, I guess maybe like I alluded to, (laughs) if you asked me before that, um, I have been a a good classic skier in the past. So, um, when I first got named to the ski team in 2007, it, it was based off a classic result. And, and back then I definitely considered myself a stronger classic skier. Um, but classic is this tricky thing because it's not only just about you as a skier, um, it's about the skis on your feet and the wax that's on those skis. Uh, and that ha- plays a much bigger role than, uh, in skating. I think, I mean, obviously the wax and the skis matter, but it's maybe a little easier and there's a little more room for error, um, within that than there is with classic. And so I really struggled, uh, with that for many years when I came to world cup. Um, it was just like very, challenging for me um to kind of figure out like the skis i needed the wax i needed working with techs uh just these different courses different snow conditions like all those things
0: it was just a lot well and, and correct to say that like if you're on the a team and you're on the world cup every weekend like you have your own tech and your own sort of vibe with them and you get used to it and you get into a groove whereas like if you're you know for the years maybe where you weren't there or didn't have that (laughs) relationship like that's a little harder because you're coming in and out and you're kind of getting paired with someone and like there isn't that ongoing thing
2: for sure exactly yeah and that's like when you're a coc leader that's a lot of what it's like sometimes you have a different tech every weekend even um just based on like you know what's it what Yeah. And especially like, you know, back 10 years ago when that was me, um, you know, we have like, well, we have a truck, like we didn't even have a truck back then. So like, you know, now we have a truck, uh, we have more wax staff than we've ever had. Um, And a lot of them have been there for a long time. So things have definitely been like leveling up over the years at the same time. But anyway, yeah, I, I kind of feel like I like when I came to World Cup, my classic skiing actually went backwards <laughs> um, because like, it, it, you know, like I think in my head I was like, oh, well, if I, you know, learn to ski on like slick skis or whatever it is, like I'll just be better. But like, that's just actually not the case. Like you need to train and practice on good skis to like learn how to have good technique and technique that works on slippery skis is just maybe it it, it gets through some shit things but it's not like good <laughs> um it's not like how you get win races or like become fast um and so I just feel like like yeah like I said the team has like definitely leveled up in our waxing and like I have a very good situation with Rosignol and with my tech now that I've had um since 2020 or 2021 20, I guess season was when it started um and uh yeah, that's just like allowed me to kind of go, go back to like, just classic, like think more about just classic technique in its purest form. Like, what does that feel like? What does that look like? And when you have that, uh, the feel comes so much easier when you have like skis that fit you wax, that's good, all those kinds of things. Um, and it's just taken me some years to kind of like regain that. Um, and so I feel like I'm just like at this place now where I just like know what that feel is like i just that feel had been so like elusive to me for so long that i kind of forgot what it was and so i now remember what that is and i know what that feels like and i know the movements that it takes to get that and so it's just like it just opens up so much um and it's just it makes it like so much fun i love classic skiing and so i just feel like it's renewed my like joy and like just yeah like wanting to do it all the time and just like you know all of that which just makes skiing better <laughs>
0: Well, can you actually like, I am cur- when you say sort of the feel of classic skiing in its purest form, like, can you mm-hmm. describe that in any more depth?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's like having, like being able to kick, you know, with somewhat little effort and then also being able to then stand on that ski and glide or the opposite ski, I guess. Um, and like having both of those components come like relatively freely, like you don't have to overwork for them. Um and so then your movements then become about like, okay, how can I like apply power faster to get more glide um, rather than like, okay, how do I stand on the ski just to get them to grip? Um, and so like, that just like opens up this whole world of like, oh, I can apply my power now. Oh, I can glide faster and further. Like now I'm just moving faster. Like all the, your arms start moving better than your back starts moving. Like there's a lot less tension in your upper body and like everything just like flows better then.
0: Sounds pretty nice.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's dreamy for sure.
0: <laughs> um, were you? I- I'm always curious. I mean, y- you know, you spend your summers and everything but the racing season pretty much up here <laughs> in Alaska. You're not mixing it yeah. up with, with like international field or, uh, you know, you uh, or even with like Jesse or others sort of who are at your caliber. And, I'm just wondering, like, when you go to Ruka, even like this year, Ruka being the World Cup opener, like, do you, is it fair to say every year you show up at that first starting line and you're like, man, I could be second, first, I could be 30th, like, who knows how this is going to go? And like, how did your sort of results in that first weekend kind of match up with like your expectations and your anxiety? (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah yeah it it definitely is like that a little bit um every year and I think even for the people that like you know maybe mix it up more there probably is some element of that like I will say like I think this has happened about every year where you come over here you see the results come in from like Beto and Yalavari and all these places and your like stomach kind of sinks and you're like oh god I don't know if I'm like that fast like these guys are you know like skiing really well and you know you get all like uh questioning yourself and and worried about all that stuff and then you line up in Ruka and and the results are different (laughs) and you are where you are and I have definitely had years where Ruka has been horrible um and other years where it's been good um and Ruka is also like unique like sometimes the results there are like pretty whack compared to like other parts of the year like it's a very unique course it definitely takes I think like for me, it just took some time to learn it. I've done it so many times now that I kind of know the deal there. So like, I feel relatively confident that I at least know how to get my best performance out of that, how that like stacks up to the field is like, so relative, like you just never know year to year. Um, so I was like both surprised and not surprised. Like I knew I was in good shape, but yeah, you don't, you never know what that means, like how that stacks up compared to the rest of the field. And it is like any result, It's like super, it is super relative. Like um, maybe that was like the same performance I had the year before, but everyone else was just more fit the last year, as opposed to this year, or like less people had illness or like whatever, you know, like a result is, is relative by nature. Um, so it's like always hard to go in and be like, oh yeah, I'm going to win this race. Like, especially the first race. Cause you just really don't know like where you are in comparison to your competition and, and in any weekend, like that changes, um, that's just like the nature, nature of it. So, um, yeah, I felt like good about my, uh, training this summer. I had no like real issues and, um, yeah, training was like on track and, and more or less followed the plan. And, and I felt good about that. So, um, I guess that's about all you can hope for when you line up for the race and you don't know anything else.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, I, I, I know, like I had asked you about this by email and we talked a little bit about it on the podcast about Ruka, but only only a little bit. I mean, that, that last race in Ruka where um, it seemed like you were really like dangling off of the back of that lead pack for like an hour uh, and then somehow found your way onto the podium. Could you, could you give us a quick recap of how that race went down for you? It feels so long ago now, so I don't know how much it's like, <laughs> yeah. maybe it's not as long I,
2: ago. Uh, no, I do. Uh, I do remember it. Cause it was like an odd race for me. I, I don't particularly like being in the back of the pack. That wasn't like, definitely was not part of the plan. Um, It happened, uh, yeah, I'm not always great at staying in the front. That's like, can be a challenge for me at times. So I I found myself in the back and um, honestly, just not feeling that great for kind of the middle section of it. And like, just thinking, well, this, you know yesterday might've been my day. I might just be like skiing this one in today or like, you know, whatever, this is what I have. Um, but I guess, uh, yeah, maybe that's where experience helps me a little bit. Like, I also knew that that course is really hard to ski away from people on and the draft is just like really big. And so I didn't know, uh, if those girls would be able to or not. Um, it definitely is possible. Um, but it wasn't a given. Uh, so I tried to just like, when I found myself in the back, just like stay as patient as I could um and not like waste energy like doing something crazy trying to you know double pull up the middle or whatever like it's narrow it's really hard to get through people on that course um so I just tried to like be calm and like kind of figure each lap figure out the place where I maybe could pass some people so I kind of like found that spot so every lap I'd try to like get up a few places um And then at one point I did realize like, oh, I actually can still see the leaders. So like they haven't been able to ski away. And so I was like, okay, maybe I should give this like one more like good effort. Um, And in that time I was able to bridge up to that gap. And that was like kind of exactly when our group did actually kind of break from the pack. Um, So that was maybe just some luck. (laughs) Uh, Maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm wise, (laughs) who knows a little bit of both, um, But yeah, once I was in that pack, I was like, okay, well, now it's time to figure out like, you know, how is this going to play out? Like, what's my best card? Um, And so I thought that, uh, well, I didn't really want to be uh, leading into the downhill, which then ironically, that was Moa's move, which was super impressive. Um, She just like went so hard over the top into that downhill and and that was the winning move. So that was like kind of cool to see. But anyway, I tried to just tuck in and then get a free line on the hill um and i my legs were so like jello on that hill so i was like amazed when i looked over and it was just jesse and and i was like okay let's go like let's get to this line as fast as we can so yeah that was like kind of a weird race for me for sure it's not really like usually my style but it was also cool to be like okay well maybe i can do things in
1: ways i didn't think i could previously so yeah i don't know This podcast is brought to you by the Alberta World Cup Society, organizers of the upcoming Coupe Fist Cross Country World Cup in Canmore, Alberta, February 9th to the 13th, 2024. Hey, Nordic ski fans, get ready to elevate your visit to Canmore with a complete VIP experience package. You got to picture this. VIP suite, indoor and outdoor access, fully catered meals, behind-the-scenes experience, and this is a big one in North America because we have horrendous public transit, Free parking from a bird's eye view to this reserved finish line access. This will be the Nordic experience of a lifetime. So limited spots are available. Book your tickets at albertaworldcup.com. A reminder that general admission tickets are free and all are welcome. Plan your visit at, I repeat, albertaworldcup.com. And you have no bigger hometown booster than me. Camera Alberta, most beautiful venue on the World Cup. Get your butts there. And under the shadows of the beautiful rocky mountains cheer on our athletes um i'm sure this is an easy question to answer on a live
0: podcast but how (laughs) how is the dynamic between you and jesse in the middle of a race like when you were both gunning for the same spot on a podium and then like you know have to go back to being teammates after that
2: yeah i think it's good i mean like when i'm sprinting up a hill and i look next to me and the person's jesse like if anything, it, like, kind of lowers the pressure for myself, because I'm, like, and, but also makes me excited, because I'm, like, okay, like, anytime we can both be on the podium, like, that's a huge day for the U.S. Like, I mean, that hasn't happened that often in history, you know, like, um, so it's, like, it, yeah, like, I, I'm not at all bothered, but, like, it makes me excited, Um, and, and, of course, like, I'm, you know, I'm still going to, like, do my best to, like, get the highest I can on the podium, but it's, like, yeah, If anything I would say it like kind of gives me that extra like okay, let's do this. Let's let's you know be in this together and um I mean that race we skied completely different races so like we didn't really see each other until the very end. So it's not like we were like you know, I don't know, either we definitely weren't doing team tactics, but we also weren't like uh impeding, you know, we were just like doing totally separate races. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um so now you're in Ostersund, um, in Sweden for the next world cup weekend. And then there's like tour to ski, some more racing in Europe. And then, uh, like almost a month of racing in Canada and the U S and was curious, I mean, last winter you had a European base in Italy. Um, mm-hmm. what are what's your, how are you sort of managing your European time this year? Is it same different from last year? And then like, what are your plans for coming back for the u.s like, are you
2: gonna be yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah it just because like like we're very like sectionally geographic this year you know it's like scandinavia central europe north america scandinavia so like it didn't really make sense to have a base over here because i'm not really sure where that would have been at least for like the whole winter um so i'm not doing that this year um which is sad because I-, I did really enjoy that last year it was it was cool to do that um and particularly this period like it's a lot of hotel time like i'm i'm already kind of over it <laughs> i don't know if i should say that but yeah the hotel life is like pretty hard like it's really like sometimes in uh it, you know certain places we have like apartments and things and and that's like a little more fun um especially like a lot of places we've been bringing in our own uh chef which just like helps when we can have like family meals and just act more normal and be uh be a family um, rather than like kind of locked in our rooms and then mask life through the buffet and then to our like little dining area or whatever, you know? Um, So, yeah, so it's, yeah, it is what it is, but um, yeah, I'll come back to the U S after Gomes. So I'll race everything in Europe. uh, And then uh, I'm actually going to go to Park City um, before Canmore uh, and stay with my mom there. And have some altitude training um before canmore and then uh right now i am not planning to do the berkey um i'll probably go back to park city again um before heading back over here uh i do hope to someday get back to the berkey but uh i'm not sure it's in the cards for this year
0: (laughs) yeah i mean what what is there are no olympics there's no world championships there is a tour to ski there is like the first world cup in the u.s in like two decades or something so like what what is actually your focus like focus or kind of key goals for the year
2: yeah definitely the tour to ski um that's just like i don't know i i just think it's a really fun event it's really i definitely have like yeah i mean this year there's like not that many consequences before championships like it definitely runs its risks um but uh yeah, it's just super fun. I I like it. So I definitely am excited for that. Um both Canmore and Minneapolis, I think, are like Canmore. I actually love racing in Canmore. And to be honest, that feels a little bit more like home just because it's mountains and uh that sort of thing. <laughs> um, so I'm really excited for those races. But then also Minneapolis, I think like every person I've ever met in my life is coming, as far as I know at this point, which is just like I like has made me really excited just to like for them to see. What a World Cup looks like is just like really cool. Um, So that definitely keeps me excited. Um, And also, like, just I don't know, it is like it's hard to put together a full season. So, like, I still think that's like kind of a motivating challenge for me just to like trying to have good races the whole year. (laughs) Um, I was like, well, I, I wrote a response to some interview and I think I put, like, oh yeah, I'll have like 25 races this year. And then, like, um i was lying around in my bed this morning and i started adding it up and i'm like actually i mean 40 (laughs) it's like way more than that then i was like oh my god that's actually like a lot of racing like that's a significant amount of racing um so yeah i'm really just trying to like kind of just take each race as it is and like uh you know, not get like too far ahead of myself in any one thing. And, and that it's kind of, that's, what's like, I, for me is a little bit fun about the non-championship years, just like not having that thing looming in your head. That's like, oh yeah, I need to be in perfect shape for like March 2nd or whatever it is. Um, and just like really being able to kind of like be in the moment for each race you do. Um, because each race is like just a race, uh, like any other race. Um, and so just trying to like get the best result you can and every single day is like, it actually makes racing pretty fun.
0: Yeah. Do you um? Do you know if you'll? Do you have any idea of whether you'll be racing again, like in 2025 for you know, world cha- going back to another world championships, or 2026 for the Olympics, or is that like too far in the future? Well,
1: um,
2: that's definitely a bit far <laughs> for me at this point. Um, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing past like March 17th. <laughs> the last work of this to be perfectly honest um so yeah ho- I'm hoping that the uh something will tell me <laughs> sometime between now and March 17th <laughs> what to do with my life um but uh, yeah for now I have no clue <laughs>
0: do you I mean one thing that we've talked about on the podcast and you know that I sort of have heard from folks is just like you know where where does where and when does Rosie Brennan, like hit her peak potential, particularly like when you're big, some of your biggest competitors, like these Swedish women, for example, are like in their mid twenties and presumably mm-hmm. like yeah. not getting any slower or losing any aerobic capacity. You are, I think you were 35. Is that right?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, And, and, you know, there's sort of this question of like, okay, are you know, are are you going to start slowing down? Like that is a normal thing that happens to people at some point in their life as they age. But it, you know, it seems like actually that's not happening. And I don't know. I'm just like, I'm curious about how you think about that and whether that's actually, you know, like one of the things that's in the back of your mind, like over the summer and or, you know, as you go to the start line in like Ruka to start this year.
2: Yeah, um that's a great question and honestly no like um i i have so like last year i really struggled in sprinting and i did ask flora this spring if i was too old to ever sprint fast again um i was like pretty concerned that that was you know the reason and he was pretty adamant that. that...
0: was your coach at alaska pacific university yes
2: yes all right um he was pretty adamant that that just doesn't like happen in one day, which is kind of what happened. It was just like, I literally, I don't know, whatever. There were a lot of reasons as to why I think I, I struggled in sprinting last year, but um, so yeah, I was, I was maybe more most nervous for the sprint in Ruka just because I, I was scared that my sprinting days were gone. um, And honestly, that was the first time that I had like, by no means was like the best result I've ever had, but it was the first time I had felt like I was actually in a sprint race um in like a solid like year and a half or something like that. Basically since the Olympics. Um and so I was like actually pretty relieved to just feel like I was in the race. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm not like totally done sprinting yet. Um, uh, but like in training and distance racing, like I still feel like I'm getting fitter. Um like my training has improved every year. Um, like actually improved drastically, like from 30 to now. <laughs> um, and I can like handle more training. I seem to absorb it fine. Um, so, like, in that sense, I, I really don't, I feel, I guess, maybe younger than my age may, may suggest. Um, I think I am more self-conscious and feel more old just from, like, hanging out with 22-year-olds that say things that I don't understand and reference things that are clearly generational gaps. And I'm like, okay, maybe I am a little bit old. Uh, so that's kind of, like, yeah, the interesting part. It's, like, uh, more my mind than my body at this point.
0: Is, I, is that... I I mean, I noticed the other day Um, there was like I think I think it was Ben Ogden, maybe Luke Jagger put up like this video that was like uh, hang out, hang out during our Q&A with the U.S. ski team men. And I was like counting them up and being like, OK, here are all the U.S. ski team men. And then, oh, yep. Scott Patterson. He's not there with these all these, you know quote-unquote kids in their early to (laughs) mid-20s and you know Scott Scott is a friend from Alaska and Scott's at least in his early 30s if not mid-30s you know not not exactly the kind of guy to jump at being at a Instagram live or whatever with a bunch of you know mid-20s sprinter bros and I, you know, I just I thought it was sort of funny and not like I don't know, no, no judgment on anyone involved in any part of that. But, I, you know, I do also I imagine that at some level it's like you're at in some in a similar position where like there aren't really any other women in their mid 30s on the U.S. ski team like at the World Cup right now, Uh, ex- I guess, except for Jesse's Jesse's getting in. Into- yeah. I don't know. I'm just curious, like, uh, what is that like for you? Do you have, have you found folks where they're like good and meaningful friendships or, and, or is it also hard for you um, not necessarily to have like peers and folks that you can easily relate to?
2: Yeah. Um. You know, when like, when Sadie and Sophie and that kind of crew first retired um it was very hard for me i mean sadie sadie is my best friend and so um not only was i losing a peer but i was losing like my closest friend uh i mean not losing like she's still my closest friend but like seeing you know traveling the world with her on a day-to-day basis and and training with her uh and that was really hard for me and like last summer i i really struggled with that particularly like I still had some uh kind of peers training with me at APU until about like halfway through the summer. And then I was like kind of suddenly and unexpectedly like training alone. Um, and so I hadn't really like prepared myself for it and and it was way harder than I ever would have anticipated. Like I I definitely struggled with that. And so I think um this year I definitely just like prepared myself a little bit better for it and like I kind of had an idea of what that might look like and like how maybe I need to structure my days, uh, to like mitigate some of that. Um, and so I think I did a lot better with that. And to be honest, like, I love all the kids. I call them the kids on our team. Like they're great people. Um, they're super like, yeah, just awesome people. Um, and so I do really enjoy hanging out with them and, and I do my best to like, you know, pick up the lingo and be as cool as I can. And they're probably like oh god you're <laughs> part of the <laughs>
0: snapchat group
2: yeah i have not taken up snapchat or tiktok or any of those things but um yeah I, I you know i try i do my best and i like to think that hanging out with them keeps me a little bit younger too but sometimes i think it has the reverse effect in which i just feel really old but i certainly miss like my peers um just like people that are like kind of on that same life phase like to talk about you know big life things I guess um I miss that a lot and so it's taken like it takes some intention like you know I try I'm trying this year to be a lot better at connecting with those friends that I have um back home on a more regular basis and like you know having making cutting out time for like those deeper conversations that I you know would maybe have with my roommate that you know now I need to call a friend to have or whatever just to like have that connection and um so I I hope I can make it work I I definitely miss miss my peers and I wish they were here um but I also really like uh one of my my like high school coach I had dinner with him during October camp and he was like do you still love it like you know ask me like just checking in with me like you know should you be doing this and like I I really do like I really love racing still and I love training still and so it's like it's still worth it to me at this point, and and I'm sure at some point that's going to change, and I, and I'm not sure when that is, but uh right now I've just been like really enjoying it, so I'm trying to just embrace that and not uh put too much I guess pressure on myself for being old <laughs> or like feeling bad about myself for it.
0: Well, well, I will not hold my breath waiting for you to show up in the next uh Jesse Diggins, uh, you know TikTok dance video, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the, the we also uh, Devin actually mentioned he was curious. I mean, he noticed. Well, we all noticed or saw. It. I mean, you also joined up with. I think the Norwegian women's team for a camp this summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was that helpful?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was awesome. So, like, you know, that was kind of one of my, uh, I guess, solutions for losing all my peers in, in my APU training group was like, I think I just need to like mix it up a bit. So um i decided to come over here and seek some international peers um and then our the regions were kind enough to uh take me on for a week uh training camp in trondheim uh and yeah they're i mean their girls uh, probably skew a little older so like uh, some maybe a little closer to my peers um heidi and Ingvild and, and um on uh, they're all like very close to my age uh so yeah, that was great. I I really enjoyed it. Um it, it was it was like definitely a good experience just to like see what those guys are doing for training like and and really, you know the differences at at this level are pretty small. It's like, you know, small things that are that change, but it's it's cool to just like see those um and get that taste and then also like to then uh be able to jump in the roller ski races there. I'd never done that before, and so that was like a really good experience too and just like Good training and also just like uh I think I learned a lot doing that. Um, and then it worked out perfectly to then jump over to Sweden and join our team. And and actually uh Emma Rebone was she joined us in in Toursby, Uh and so I also got to ski with her a bit, which was great. Um and yeah, just kind of getting like I think it was like uh yeah, mentally refreshing just to do something different and, and also helpful and, and a good learning experience for me. So uh, it worked out yeah, about as well as they I could have hoped and and I was I'm really glad I did it I think it was a, a worthwhile month over here
0: did, did uh do you feel like those relationships with the Norwegians like have those endured and has that been a nice thing for you this season to feel like you, you can connect with those folks better too
2: yeah I mean our, our camp was only like you know it was a week so it's like I don't know. You don't get like crazy close to people in one week, but uh, it definitely just helps, like you know, being like, oh yeah, they're friendly. Like they they don't need to, you know, it's not like this big scary thing. Um, and so just like yeah, being able to say hi on the trails and maybe ski a few k's with them if we're out there together and um, chat it up and and have a good conversation for sure. And yeah, I think just like uh the more friendly faces you can have on the road the like easier it is and and the more fun it can be you always find someone to go like jog with or ski with or, or whatever it may be for the week
0: um the thing that Devin was curious about was like you know we noticed you being over in Norway but then did ultimately like join the team but then Jesse Diggins and Julia Kern went over to New Zealand and he was, he was basically like the U S team was like all over the place. Like where's the team spirit and the, in the cohesion and the opportunity for youngsters to learn from the veteran athletes. And I, I don't know. I mean, do you, is that something you thought about at all? And like, would you say, is that a, should that be a concern that like everyone's kind of doing their own thing or do you feel like there's also enough, opportunity for everyone to kind of be together and for folks to learn from one another
2: yeah um that's a good question I I personally probably lean a little more independent than a lot of my teammates actually um which that's kind of the ironic part is I would actually say Jesse and Julia are the ones that like are a little more like let's do everything together and then you know they happen to be the ones that go went to New Zealand so um but i mean like so the the way it works is like our budget's not endless so it was only a team that was offered the camp in new zealand um so i did have the chance to go like that was my choice to not go um and uh yeah i guess i i chose not to go because i i uh well i i got the opportunity to like go with the norwegian women which was just an experience that i wanted to take up on um and yeah in the summer it's actually weirdly easy to get from anchorage to europe like a lot easier than getting to new zealand so it was actually significantly less travel to do that as well um so that was part of it um and then you know most of our team ended up being in in tours b and at the Allianz Loppet, with the exception of those uh three that were in new zealand um and so it did really it it was like super fun to have that team camp and like uh I don't know Toursby's kind of like summer camp vibe so it was like very summer campy which was just like kind of fun and um, so we did have like a really great team thing going there and like uh, it was I thought it was really awesome like we had like just a really great camp all of us did I think it was just like super laid back summer camp like thing and we got some skiing and some racing and so um, yeah I think it worked out really well like I know you know I think Jesse and Julia would have really enjoyed the camp as well but Uh, Jessie is is very adamant that that snow time is like very very important for her and and I very much respect that like if if that's the thing that she thinks she needs to be as good as she is then uh, who am I to say that that's not the case Um, so yeah I think you know it's it's always a balance with a team especially one that's like as geographically spread out as ours is like when do you require people to all be at something and when do you let them like do what they believe is best for them and I've certainly had my times when I have asked for that you know, independence. go do what I think is best for me. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not really sure what the balance is, but somewhere in there, I think it ebbs and flows a little bit group to group and year to year.
0: do you did you have any observations from last weekend about what Jesse was doing that made her so effectively smash everyone in the skate race? It just was like such a <laughs> performance, yeah,
2: God. I wish. <laughs> i literally like as i was racing i was like god i really wish i spent more time skiing with jesse like i just knew i mean i wasn't even getting splits to her but i like as soon as i started i was like jesse's gonna be crushing this like she is just exceptionally good at that at that kind of terrain and milking speed where like no one else can and um obviously nobody has figured it out as well as she has because she she destroys people when it's those kinds of uh, situations and courses um so, uh, yeah, I guess uh, maybe I should have gone to New Zealand to learn, <laughs> learn some of that from her. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was definitely remarkable.
0: <laughs> I have one more question, which is, how scared are you of getting COVID right now?
2: <laughs> That's a good question. I was just uh, talking about that earlier as I saw, like, three Germans got it. I uh, yeah. got sent home. Um, yeah, it's... Um, I mean, yeah, I think... It, I don't feel like the fear I did in 2020 or, or before the Olympics. And God, I hope I never experienced that again in my life, but, um, it's definitely out there. And, uh, I think it's been more like an emotional bummer than anything, because I think a lot of us thought we were walking into a normal world cup year. And so far it's been like, not that different, like pretty full on masks everywhere. And, uh, yeah, trying to like somewhat minimize our exposure to things. Um, and so I think if anything, it's been kind of, yeah, a m- emotional downer just to realize like, oh, maybe this isn't going to be normal. Like, I don't know what is normal anymore. But maybe maybe that's a lost cause and nothing will ever be normal again. It's probably a better way to look at it. Um but uh, yeah, I definitely don't want to get sick, um, but I'm trying not to be like uh, quite as crazy as I was in 2020. I was maybe on the extreme level <laughs> the, back uh, then. So yeah, I also, I'm not sure what the uh, booster rate is in Europe, but I did get a booster. So I'm really trying to believe that that's the, the difference right now. Because <laughs> I don't know. You have to believe in something. <laughs>
0: Well, and are, I mean, are you guys like full on? You know, if you go in the wax truck, is it like N9? You want to be like wearing an N95, that kind of thing, or are you not at that level? Yeah,
2: of- yeah it's a, it's not maybe not quite as stringent as like we once were, but like yeah, we're masking to go through the buffet line and, and the and like, you know, just taking it off to eat and like here we have a separate dining room. Um, and yeah some like if people are sick in the wax truck then yeah we're like masking in it but it's not like quite the you know 2020 was like you leave your room and that thing better be sealed on your face (laughs) or else kind of situation it's not really like that but like yeah when we're in public transport the buses and the planes and all that stuff were or like not even public transport but world cup transport with other teams and stuff we're uh trying to mask up we've tried to make it so that like it's a little bit less stringent like within our like when you're hanging out with your team because like that it is such a social cost and emotional cost and that is just like was really wearing down on on the team I think uh, so we've tried to make it to so like I guess secure our bubble as best we can to like make it so that we can live normally as a team but then like uh, kind of have some defenses against the outside world
1: <laughs> yeah
0: out. um I don't know anything else you want uh the 17 listeners of the Devin Kershaw show to know about your season <laughs> so far or what you're looking forward to
2: well gosh we're only in week two so i i hope i have uh more to say at some point that's exciting and I, mostly i just hope that people are super stoked to follow us now i hope i hope that the hot start at least got some uh fans committed to a season's worth of following us around because yeah like i said it's uh, some 40 races or something crazy so we're uh, just in the beginning
0: <laughs> thanks for sticking with us we'll be back